0: On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now, here's your host, Angelique Luna.
1: Hi everyone, it's Angelique and John, and we're here with MJ Barker. Yes. So tell us a little bit about you from here at Poly Dallas. It's like you got speaker, genderqueer, kinky, relationist, uh, anarchist, and then they, 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 them, there. So, sorry.
2: Well, the name tags are becoming trains. And yeah. I expect to you know, walk yeah. in, and there's just one going behind me one day on the long. floor. Yeah. I was
3: tempted by quite a lot of other ones, and I was like, you're going to stop somewhere, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've come from the UK, which I think is the furthest anyone's come to Polydallas this year, but it's because they named the conference after me this year. Rewriting the Rules is the name of my book. Oh, awesome. I'm um, yeah, oh, so,
1: an author, too. Yay! Yeah. Podcaster, so, author.
3: So basically, Ruby got in touch with me last year and said, um, we'd love to name the the conference after rewriting the rules, and would you come and speak about it? And I said, well, the second edition is just out, so that would be really good timing for me. So here I am. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your book then. Um, So I I write um, sex and relationship self-help books, and I've written a few, but rewriting the rules is... Um, it's kind of about what are the cultural rules of relationships and why we might question them. So it goes through like sex, gender, conflict, monogamy, all these kind of topics. And it says, well, what are the cultural rules that we have about that topic? Um, why might we question those rules? What would we put in their place if, mm-hmm. we, if we had something different? And what about if we move beyond rules altogether and try to embrace uncertainty in this area? So every chapter is kind of like that. Oh, wow. And it's really drawing as well on the expertise of people from queer communities, non-monogamous communities, kink communities, and saying, well, what can we learn from people who are doing things differently in these areas? So Mm -hmm. instead of like, um, my background's in psychology, and in psychology, the question has usually been, how do we explain these freaks? You know, (laughs) they're the kinksters and the polyamorous and the bisexuals. And I'm like, no, what can we learn from people who are doing things differently? I,
1: I know they had a change in, in the DSM, the, all the categories, especially about BDSM and yeah. the power exchange. That were not as crazy as you know people think.
3: You know? Exactly. Well, and I think that's one of the, the most I recent studies found healthy. that BDSMers <laughs> were actually more healthy than the general population. So that's that's the most recent finding on that. But it's still in the DSM. Like they haven't taken out completely. I, yeah, but yeah, at least they changed it. A yeah, bit yeah. Bit. but it's like get get with the program. You had to take homosexuality out. Like take them all out. If it's mm-hmm. consensual sexual behavior, it doesn't belong the dsm oh yeah
1: so how (laughs) do you see the lifestyles different from america and uk oh good question because i'm curious because i know like they say like europe's a little bit more freer and i'm like "Eh, i don't
3: think so but yeah (laughs) i'm not sure um i guess i mean what i'm excited about with this conference that is different from the uk is just how intersectional it is So if I was to go to a polyamory conference in the UK, I don't feel like there would be this degree of um, attention given to power, to race, class, you know, that's what's been really exciting for me about this conference. Um, So I think being, you know, being really interested in intersectionality and how that plays out in polyamorous communities is just really exciting direction and really important. Um, I think we're beginning to have that conversation in the UK as well. Um, But I do think in Europe we have been studying non-monogamous relationships for decades and one thing that frustrates me a little about the US is that a lot of people are like they've been studying it for the last ten years or five years or maybe they've been writing about it and they're not drawing on anyone from Europe, you know. Um, we've, We've been doing this work and we've got some really good stuff, you know, so it would be great again if we could get a little bit more global on this conversation. And be talking across the different kinds of non-monogamous relationships that happen in different cultures, and also be talking to people from different countries who've been doing this kind of work. Yeah.
1: Yes, I think she's our second international speaker interviewer. Because I know we have. Oh no, third. No, we. we, Uh, we, Yeah, we. we, we,
2: But it was only Canada. No, Canada's just. No, no. No, no,
1: (laughs) no, no, no. no. We got Singapore and Australia.
2: We do have some. Nice.
1: in Australia. Who do you have from Australia? Uh, oh, I can't remember the young lady's name. Uh, Sacred Space? Sacred Muse. Sacred Muse. Oh, yeah, I think
3: I might have heard of that. Yeah,
1: yeah uh-huh. she was fantastic there. Just, you know, talking yeah. about the woo-woo of sex and how
3: it works. I and mean, together. again, there's some brilliant people in Australia. Yeah. Maria, Maria Palacicerelli yeah. has uh-huh. been studying polyamory and non-monogamy for decades now and doing a lot of similar work to Elizabeth Chef. So uh-huh. again, you know, Elizabeth Sheff's work on polyfamilies is fantastic, don't get me wrong, but we need to listen to Maria Palaciciroli, we need to listen to Alexia and Taffy, who has been doing work mm-hmm. on this area. You know, there's a lot of people out there doing really good work. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. But
2: it's funny, because I did look at our uh, numbers this morning, and about 90% is US and Canada, uh-huh. but we have 10% of our listeners split between UK and Australia. Great, yeah. Which we would love to know more people in the UK and Australia,
3: <laughs> yes. but...
2: Uh, no, doing work with them would be very interesting because, uh, again, there's, there's obviously cultural differences. Well, there's mm. cultural differences in the U.S. between yeah. Texas and, well, anywhere oh,
1: yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, true story. I brought my passport just to make sure I could go
3: back home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we live in Florida. It's, yeah, it's But to
2: go across mm. the pond, and the, the, it is a different setup and, yeah. and a little more socialized and – Again, I'm just going. I've never been. I've never had the chance to cross it. Ah. But when we're watching something like BBC, (laughs) it's a lot more. um, I see a lot more uh, LGBTQ content.
3: That's interesting. uh, Than what we have
2: in the United States, and it's woven more into mainstream uh, media. As I mean, going back to the start of Doctor Who, ten you know, ten years ago, about 2005, where they had all that, and Um, we're just seeing it now. Yeah,
3: no, absolutely. Uh, no, I think that can be the case, and I guess that's a, its partly a faith thing, you know—that in the, the UK there's not so much of a kind of religious right, you know, in the same way that there is in the US. So I think that that's a, a bit of it. Um, but and yeah, our governments in recent years, even the conservative government, which would be the equivalent of the Republicans, have been really on it with LGBT stuff. So they got through got in same-sex marriage, and then they're also oh, doing some really good work around trans important. at the moment. Which is a well, bit uncomfortable for yeah, <laughs> those good. of us who are more on the left, but they are actually doing okay on, uh, mm-hmm. on these things. So, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right in some ways um, that the UK is doing pretty good on that. Very
2: cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so have you traveled all over the world? speaking at conferences or um
3: I come to the U.S. a lot because my sisters are in the Bay Area in Los Angeles and Ah, also my my other co-author Alex Ian Taffy is in Minneapolis okay so Alex and I wrote a book called How to Understand Your Gender together um and so I, I visit with him and his family quite a lot and we've just written another book together called Life Isn't Binary so that'll be coming out next year. That's yeah. it. cool.
1: I mean, it's just, <laughs> you don't see those books. And I'm grateful that there are coming out right. because there's so many people now feeling comfortable being binary. And yeah. we
3: don't have as much support. There's not a lot of stuff. I mean, again, there's yeah. more coming out. But um, we had, to, I mean, Kate Bornstein is a real hero. She yeah. was writing about non-binary stuff. And uh, <laughs> the gender workbook that um, Kate did came out whatever 10 20 years ago now but there's not there hasn't been a lot of of self-help about gender you get so much self-help about sex but you don't get self-help about gender and alex and i feel like everyone needs it. it's not just trans and non-binary people who need it we all need to dig into our gender and understand you know how we got the kind of ideas we do about gender and whether they're ones that we want to keep or whether we want to shift the way we express or experience our gender so that's what that book's all about yeah Awesome. And so you said you were a psychologist before? Um, Yeah, so that's my background, psychology and psychotherapy, but I'm increasingly focusing on being a writer because that's what I really love. That's my passion. Um, And also podcasting, like you you both. Um, So I have a podcast called um, Meg, John and Justin, which is me and my friend Justin, who's a sex educator. Um, And we do uh, yeah weekly, more or less weekly podcast about sex and relationships
2: we're finding more and more of them again. We, we started, there was a few now, two years later, I mean, there, anything you want, you want a podcast just on polyamory, just yeah. on transgender, just on this. And you know, it's great that the conversations are getting out
3: there. isn't it and also you can find the podcast that speaks to you so if you want to listen to a couple of british people talking about sex then meg john and justin is exactly where you want to go but you know it's not yeah. that's, that's not going to be for everyone also Alex and tappy who i mentioned has a new one called gender stories which yeah. is great and it's just talking to different people about their own story of their gender um which i think will be really helpful for again a lot of people who are exploring their own gender
1: Oh, yeah. Or even parents having yeah. dealing with their kids going through well, their exactly, gender identity. Well, exactly.
3: Alex's speciality is working with young people and their families. So, awesome. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, because
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I know we were having that conversation earlier that a little girl was transitioning to a boy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do I find the information? How do I parent? How do I do this? But yeah. it's like, look, we we're a small enough community. We could redirect you. and yeah, that there's is... great
3: resources out there now, yeah. thankfully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah just and it, we need them because it's such a hard time to be trans. It's like there's a real moral panic about trans with all the worries about bathrooms. And in the UK, it's fever pits at the moment. There's just so much difficult media about being fever trans. Fever pits. Yeah, like the media is coming out with like negative stories about trans people like every day. Every day there's headlines. It's like, yeah, it really is a more moral panic. So that's the world that young trans people are coming into mm-hmm. at the moment. And that's that's really devastating. We know the rates of suicide and attempted suicide amongst trans people. So we really need to shift that culture to be just accepting gender diversity. Yeah. Understanding, like, the diversity of experiences of gender and, you know, accepting that all of them are equally valid. Yeah.
2: Well, that's one thing whenever someone's coming against any particular topic. Yeah. whether it's trans or political, they go and find the worst stories they can find yeah. and give them the most publicity. Exactly. And even working the other way around, all the stuff you, you'll see on the news and in Twitter about conservatives, I'm like, yeah, they, they exist, but the majority of the party isn't that. Well, they just are the loudest.
3: Being trans and seeing that newspaper coverage, it makes me distrust anything in the news because I think, okay, I know the facts on this mm-hmm. and the, the headlines are just wrong. You know they are not. You know they they will take one very unlikely scenario and blow it up as if it's happening all the time. So I'm like, yeah, like how can I trust any news about any other group of people? You know, yeah.
2: It's a shame the news the newspapers don't report the news.
3: Yeah, exactly. I would really like to see that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's nice and horrifying to to hear that that happens in the UK as well as the US.
3: Sadly, so yeah. In fact, I I went through it myself. That's something I'll be talking about in my talk later. Um, So yeah, I am. uh, about 12 years ago, I did a, um, res- I was doing research about polyamory and I did a conference talk, a, a psychology conference, a pretty banal kind of thing. And um, yeah, I went in all the newspapers and they were reporting on me being polyamorous as if that was a massive news story. Um, it was a pretty hard thing to go through. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Why are you... I, it just blows my mind how sensationalism yeah. they, they did that for a story it's like polyamory it's like what's wrong with that exactly
3: I'd just done a you know research about the, the language we use in polyamory you know words like compersion and uh, metamor that kind of thing that was what I was really interested in but they kind of like gloss over that and the headline is like oh an academic is polyamorous and like you know well the headline in the, the tabloid newspaper is bisexual boffin I'm a slut <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> but what's really funny is yeah. if you are actually having a cheating relationship, yeah. it would just be like, oh, that's not news. It's what politicians just do.
3: Everybody does that. But, but yeah.
2: that's, that's the one where the lying occurs, the distrust occurs. Yeah. That's where the, the, the baby and the scandal occurs. But the news are over that.
3: One of the newspapers even said I was taking all the fun out of infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> I, I love your face. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, oh cheating is so much fun.
1: I know. Well, that's very true. We have uh, one of our friends who's a triad, and Mm. the the third partner basically, his family said, as long as it's cheating, that's okay. But if everyone knows, then it's not. I'm like, what's wrong?
3: It's so warped, isn't it? It's like the, the, the honest, ethical way of doing it is put forward as being a problem, and the dishonest, unethical way is seen as okay because it's more normal. You know, because people are much more worried about what's normal than they are about treating people well which is the same thing with trans mm-hmm. it's like prioritizing making people normal as in the gender yeah. system over actually treating people decently. It's so sad. Or and human. I mean, yeah. come
1: on. Even, um, do they have the conversion therapy in the UK? Well,
3: I was part of the group that just came up with a set of guidelines against it. So okay. we just came up with a set of guidelines against gay conversion therapy, and then we just changed it to also encompass trans. But right. again, there's been such a backlash against it. People don't want trans in there. They think, you know, we should be able to try and convert I trans love people love to being cisgender. I know. This it's just has such a hold. this idea of it being normal whatever that even means is, is somehow better
2: there is no normal there, there never has been it's always just a myth
3: can i ask you a question absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> i noticed i think you both have relationship anarchist on your labels yes and so do i so i was really interested what you mean by that um yeah
1: we're we're, we're such a I, I don't know kettle black <laughs> because we met in the swinger community. Yeah. I have been a bisexual female swinger for 20 plus years. Uh-huh. Um Itty bitty child. And we are in an open relationship. That's how we started. But over the years, he became more polyamory. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I, I, as I describe the difference between swinger and polyamory, swingers are parts, not hearts, meaning it's just about the sex and not the emotional connection Mm -hmm. versus polyamory. It's hearts, not parts, which oftentimes you could have the emotional connection, but no sex, but it is a bonus. So for me, I I cannot do that. He is actually the first person Mm -hmm. that has had my heart when I've had sexual intercourse in encounters with him because it's like I've been the sugar baby, I've been the mistress, I've been, you know, yeah. the, the third wheel, everything. So I never connected sex and love together mm-hmm. until I met him. Right. So, and that's where I still stand in my beliefs of our relationship. He yeah. has evolved and I have accepted. So that's why we say relationship anarchist because sometimes. People can't understand. It's like, wait a minute. Your wife says you're okay to be in this polyamory relationship, but she wants nothing to do with it. I'm like, I could still be friends with you. I could respect you. I just yeah. don't have to have that emotional commitment. So, oh, if that's you... so interesting. Yeah. Which
2: we've heard the term yeah. polymono, meaning yes. one person relationship poly, one person's mono. Yeah but we have never heard the term poly swinger
3: right and that's Um, what it is it's it's kind of a mixed orientation relationship and relations in relationship orientation yes
2: and Mm -hmm. it's not that we i mean we haven't recently but we will go to swinger clubs yes Uh, we are open to sexual encounters Mm. but for ongoing i prefer to establish a relationship and have yeah get, get an investment with someone right which is something that she does with me but probably won't do with someone else yeah. but that's her choice mm. and i respect that i don't want to convert her and mm-hmm. tell her she has to do anything that's not no, my thing that's so
3: important because i feel like actually in all relationships probably people have some different values they have some different ways of doing things mm-hmm. so maybe it's really nice it's explicit for you but you know it's a good model that everyone could come to it's like what one person wants isn't what the other person wants. And we often think about relationship equality as, like, everyone should get the same thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, people often don't want the same thing. Yeah. People so, are different. They're yeah. not going to want
2: the same exactly. thing. You
3: know? yeah.
2: Trying to convince people, and when I say people, I'm in my family, <laughs> that yeah. their wants, needs, and dreams were not mine. Yeah. And I lived someone else's dreams, not because they forced me, because at the time, I was convinced that what they wanted is what I wanted. Right and it took a long time to figure out that no, it's not what I want I really, I don't want the house out in the country I don't like being alone yeah. I actually want to, we're in the process, we're going to be moving downtown, uh-huh. because I want people around, I want to walk to a Starbucks and yeah. see people on the street, I don't have to get in a car and drive literally five miles to the nearest grocery store Yeah. so determining what you want, I find is sometimes the hardest thing
3: well, really to hard. deal with yourself Yeah, because we've often been brought up Really not to do that like to not treat ourselves consensually to not be able to tune into what we want so it's a kind of lifelong journey to get to that place where you can yeah and then the,
2: mo- the movies don't help we're all convinced right. that we need to be a prince charming or a saved princess uh, yeah so totally.
3: yes. <laughs> there's a lot about that in my book about rewriting <laughs> the rules yeah exactly oh yeah those are the it... rules i want to rewrite for sure exactly
1: yeah. and then another thing that throws into the bucket is that we're both bisexual yeah and that's where kind of when we were in the swinger community, once he came out, everyone just like scat. And I'm like, wait a minute. We've had sex together. There yeah. was dick slinging and no one said anything. But the minute we came out that he was
3: bi, wow. that's it. It's That's like, so sad. Yeah. Like women are allowed to be bi and men aren't allowed mm-hmm. to
1: be bi. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, w- women are expected yeah. to yeah. be bi. Yeah. Especially in the swinger community. Oh, oh. yeah. And men are expected oh, to be straight. And mm. it is, hate to say, in the swinger community, a lot of it is that toxic masculinity is almost what it what's expected.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. We need to look at that stuff. Again, that's what, I guess, one of the ideas in rewriting the rules is that often when we do rewrite some of the rules like swingers do question monogamy Mm -hmm. but they don't go so far to question all the rules and it's Mm -hmm. like actually once you've started to question you need to also question the rules of gender and toxic masculinity you also need to question the whiteness of your spaces you need to question you know who gets to afford to go into those spaces and who doesn't and all of these other questions and that's it's really frightening to do that work i think yeah so what is your definition of a relationship anarchist oh well for me it kind of means where where I came into it was like recognizing that I couldn't put one relationship above all others Uh Um, and initially that was because I was so close to my sister um, and I knew that that would always be a really important relationship to me so I was kind of looking for a community where people had this idea that maybe everyone could be you know you could have multiple close people and it Uh didn't really matter which ones were romantic or sexual or otherwise and I thought that that was what polyamory was when I got involved with the poly community and then I was like oh no this is most of the people I was meeting it was more about like having lots of partners yes. and prioritizing romantic relationships over everything else and I'm like oh this is not what I thought okay and then I kind of tried to do polyamory for bit, and then I came across this idea relationship anarchy and I'm like that seems like a good word for me because it seems to be more about everyone being free and also um recognizing that different relationships can be equally important, whether or not they're sexual, whether or not they're romantic. For me, like the people I write with, like yeah. they're my they're some of my really key relationships. Yeah. Because you know, you write a book together, that's about one of the most intimate things you can possibly do. It's another so, child altogether. Right? You're having yeah. a kid together. Yeah. You know? <laughs> almost almost exactly. So yeah, so it just seems really important to me that we recognise that different kinds of relationships can be important.
1: Oh, fantastic there. Yeah. So you're presenting later tonight there. Yes. And what is your presentation about then?
3: Um, so it's about what I learned between the first edition of Rewriting the Rules and the second edition. And I've tried to be quite vulnerable in the talk and talk about my, my own relationships and the things that I've learned. So, yeah, it's kind of, um, I guess... Kevin Patterson was talking last night, did an Uh amazing talk and he was talking quite a lot about how we fuck up and how we learn from our fuck ups and that seems to be quite a theme in this conference that people are being quite open about their mess and um, I heard this quote from my partner Rowan um, who said, your mess is your message and I I really like this idea that like you go to the messiness and the vulnerability and that's the things that we have most to offer from Mm -hmm. so yeah so I'm talking about all of that.
2: Oh, so I, know, looking I, I, for it. I always think relationships. You can compare them a lot to the gym. The exercise, exor- yeah. the, the exercises you hate to do yeah. are the ones you need to do the most.
3: Right? Like you
2: go to the gym and you ah. do the fun stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: That that's that's called fun. You're not really improving a whole lot. You got to ah. go in there. What do we all hate? The abs yeah core it's core (laughs) core
3: yeah i hear you i've been i've been to the gym a lot recently because i had hip and back problems and then it was like yeah i need to do the core strength and it has worked really well
2: and it's the same thing coming to to this conference and i say self-improvement is really what it is yeah and again for me i hear the term white privilege a lot yes and i gotta say 10 years ago I didn't think I was privileged. Mm-hmm. And that's because of my background. I grew up in New York. Yeah. I, I saw people, a lot of people, who had a lot more money than me.
3: Right, And right.
2: in no way did I, if there the people yeah. who had less money than me, yes. Yeah. But I never yeah. ever thought the word, that's, like, that's where I associated the word I privilege would, from. Right. And nice. having married in an interracial relationship and seeing yeah. a lot of stuff through her eyes and okay. hearing these yeah. conferences, yeah. it it redefined the term. Yes. Essentially is what it did. Yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of people out there who hear white privilege turn away from it because they have a different definition yeah. than what we're saying for it.
3: Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, again, that's something else I'm talking about tonight is that we need yeah. to look at those places where we're the oppressor, you know, or we're the person who's being non-consensual. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, all of these movements have helped to raise that awareness that we actually need to look at that stuff. And that's the really painful, like that's the core exercises, right? Where you have to look at the really painful, uncomfortable stuff. Um, and, I, and I guess what I'm saying is we need to do that in our intimate relationships. We need to recognize, yep. like, these are the places we really fuck up in intimate relationships and really look at that stuff. And the same on a wider cultural level. Yeah, we need to look at the places that we're privileged. We need to look at the places where we feel really uncomfortable when someone calls us out on it because those are the things we need to work on the hardest. Yeah. yeah
2: one of the big ones I had to work on was NRE. Oh, yeah. You, you know the term?
3: I do. New relationship energy. I'm, I'm in energy. it right now. Okay. I'm you, uh, and there's nothing wrong with good. being yeah. in it. Yeah. It's
2: good a ride. You just need to know that there can be fallout from it and how to how, how to manage that.
3: Well, something I'm really working on at the moment, because I am in NRE for the first time for about five years, so and it's I'm trying to engage with it differently. And I feel like one thing you can do is use it instead of closing off from everything else to focus on the NRE, you can kind of try and bring the NRE into everything else, like try and kind of use that energy to inform your other relationships um, and that's, that's what I've been trying to do this time, it's working pretty well. And also like recognizing that in a sense all your relationships are new relationships because you change over time and how can you be present to those people in the same way that you're being present to this, this new exciting person. And it's, you know, it's not, again, it's not an easy thing to do, but I feel like there are different ways we can relate to NRE that kind of, as well as embracing that new relationship also kind of nurture and enrich our other relationships.
2: I know, it's just like trying to do it through a mirror, where everything is reversed and you're just, if someone else is experiencing NRE... It's yeah. clear as could be. Right. When you're an NRE, it's, like, no, it's no, through a glass in I'm a mirror. Not, yeah, and... yeah, I'm not doing that thing. Oh, I would
3: never do that thing. I'm totally doing that thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 I did that thing yeah. for how long? Yeah. So and you're still, still with me. A... so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's so addicting. I, I know. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you have any fun adventure stories that you like to tell our audience members? Adventure
3: stories? <laughs> yeah. So
1: it's better than saying, you know, good or bad or great. You know, it's like it's, it's just because you go up and down in emotions wow. and yeah. feelings, and so it's always an adventure.
3: I feel like my adventure at the moment is an adventure around staying with emotions. So um, my background is my family was like. You do not express or experience negative emotions so far it's like inside out you know that movie yes right? so imagine those parents instead of being like yeah have all of the emotions they were like no let's get rid of all of the negative ones and just have the joy Your and we, only know how, joy, we, yeah. we know how badly that goes right yes um, we remember that <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> so that's been my life and so what i'm i've been doing a lot of work trying to stay with feelings that's been the work of the last few decades really um and I think I'm really thinking at loss at the moment about how to bring that into relationships and also into sex. It's like, how can we stay with all of the feelings instead of just trying to do joy and excitement and contentment and the, the, pos- the so-called positive feelings? Yeah. And I think, it, again, it's, it enriches it. If you can be like, oh, fear is here and loss as well as joy, then you're not trying to you're not trying to get rid of those feelings. You're kind of trying to ride them or like just be with them all. And what I'm finding is that that is a richer experience and I'm enjoying the joy more because I can also say, oh, and now I'm really scared. Oh, and now I feel kind of angry. So I think that is my... It's kind of more of a psychological adventure, perhaps, than a, <laughs> than a kind of guy. Still adventure, no matter races, what. Yeah, it does feel like a, a big adventure. <laughs> awesome. So how can our audience members find you? They can find me on... My website is rewritingtherules.com. So it's rewriting-the-rules.com. hyphen Or if you just Google Meg John Barker, I think I'm the only Meg John Barker in the world. So that, that's what comes up. But also, you might fancy megjohnandjustin.com. Okay. That's my podcast. Um, and. There's lots of free zines on both of those websites or low-priced zines um, that you can download as well. So all of these things I've been talking about, I have a lot of free materials as well as the books I've written.
1: Awesome, there. Well, thank you very much for stopping by. Thanks for Thanks thanks for chatting with us. No problem. What's up? I want to get a new toy.
2: Well, let's go to Villa.
1: But I don't want to waste time reading the instructions trying to figure out how it works.
2: Well, their staff is very well educated and helpful, and Fairville University also offers classes.
1: But I want to go to the party instead.
2: Then check FairVilla.com. Their calendar has all their events that happen on a regular basis.
1: But I don't want to spend a lot of money.
2: Have you heard of their loyalty program?
1: Oh, is that that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush? Oh yeah, let's go!
2: For which one? They have five locations around Florida.
1: FairVilla. For pleasure, fun, and fantasy. Hey, this is Angelique Luna. I'm here with John.
2: Good, good morning. Good morning. Still morning. Yes,
1: we like have the morning. sun in our eyes right now because we're uh, broadcasting from Polly Dallas in the kitchen, library, whatever you want to call this.
0: Library? Library. It's, I'm like, It's dining like, ah. exciting. I'll
2: call it the lounge next to the elevator.
0: <laughs> at- Ooh. Atrium. Atrium. It's the atrium. Oh, atrium,
2: that's a fancy word. Yes, yes
1: so we a- got A-M. fancy people no, around we No, star- we start yeah.
2: off with fancy words at the beginning of the conference, and as time goes on, we're down to tree, pretty, fire, bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is. So, we, we finally got another ambush uh, person. Uh, we ambushed another person to interview on the podcast, but we've known Robin for quite some time there. Hi. Uh, so, tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll tell us stories on how we remember you. <laughs> oh, Okay. Right.
0: I am Robin wilson Beatty. Hi. Um, and I am a disability and sexuality educator and writer, advocate, activist. And I like to talk to, about things, all things related to disability and sexuality. And, um, and also other things about dis- disability yes. as well.
2: Awesome. awesome. So I, I'm actually seeing a lot more these yeah. days about even, not just sex and disability, but I'm even seeing like BDSM and disability. Okay, how, how do we get people involved? And I, I mean... I remember it started years ago of we need to build ramps, we need to be inclusive, which, believe yeah. it or not, we're, I'm amazed at um, how many places still
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, are not yeah. There's still, there's still a lot of pushback, but also because people um, just... The thought of, okay, so what does access mean? Or what does it mean to have access? What does it mean to be inclusive? Why is this important? And, um, and I am trying to... What I when it comes to disability is it's not like it's a special rider or whatever. It's just to make it so that, you know, people can actually participate. To make right. it so you can, you know, so everybody can be part of the community and do things. Um, And so, yeah, that BDSM and disability, that was one of the, that's actually how I got started talking about sexuality <laughs> really? and disability. Ooh, now the conversation because, gets interesting. Yeah, <laughs> because um, I I was talking grassroots about sexuality and disability because after I acquired my spinal cord injury, I, um, real, and I was pregnant at that time, so I realized that that's how I found out, um, that there wasn't a lot of information, um, and resources at that time, um, around, uh, disability, sexuality, reproductive health, pregnancy, that was, and with with having a disability. So talking grassroots about that stuff, but I got, I was on a panel, the very first panel that I ever spoke at talking about disability and sexuality. And I'm like, hi, I'm name's Robin. I'm a mom. I live in the suburbs. This is when I lived in the suburbs of Atlanta. And I was like, and I enjoy BDSM. And, you know, and I was like, and then I started talking about, you know, some of the ways that I made, I had to make adaptations and talk to my uh, doctors about, you know, my activities and things, um, and, uh, and so that, uh, but then in 2014, or 13, I'm not sure, 14, I think, um, I, yes, 2014, I spoke um, at ASEC on uh, the American Association of Sexual Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. I spoke at that that annual conference on BDSM and disability, uh, talking about how to work with uh, how to how to be kinky, working with your kinks or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, but um, it was a lot more clever back. Then. <laughs> but um, but I realized, and then that was when it was. Oh wait, people hadn't really. They weren't talking, but this was you know back 2014. 14. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm starting, it's, make, it's exciting because I get people that reach out to me all the time and write me and say, hey, and someone I know now is like, I'm writing a book about BDSM and I'll say, awesome, because I have an outline that I had written because I was going to write a pamphlet, a book, and I didn't do it, um, <laughs> because I got caught up in doing other things related to disability and sexuality.
3: Yes,
1: yeah, because I know I've seen you in a couple of conferences now. Um, three years now, I think it is. That yeah, we've it's been three, three years. years. It's
0: been about three years once that I said, okay, I'm going to actually do this. Yeah. And um, I am, and, but what I'm loving about the, the age that we live in um, with the internet is so being able to connect with other voices mm-hmm. who are also doing work in disability and sexuality and coming out like, to this conference and meeting Rachel Rose. Meaning, um, Kirsten, but Kirsten Saltz from Chronic Sex Offward, I, um, I, I, really, I've admired their work for a long time, uh, you yeah know, well, for nice. the, few, the past couple of years since this explosion, but just being able to connect and do that, but also starting, you know, talking with other people around the world because of how culture influences expression, um, of disability um, and sexuality and who and there's like a whole bunch a whole bunch of layers right. right especially like around reproductive health and childbirth who gets to have a kid who gets to be a parent what kind of you know it, all you know and, but also working on changing attitudes and talking about not just the medical model of disability <laughs> of you know where it's like oh, okay disability is. You have a condition that, you know, inhibits, uh, that, you know, has, where you have challenges um, or prevents you from doing, you know, certain things. And they're talking about, like, physically, you know, as compared to um, a, you know, typical uh, human body. But there is a social model of disability where we're talking about the barriers to access
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so when people think about then that's a broader thing and that barriers to access we're talking about like attitudes um, and about what people perceive or think of the a disability um, also things like okay things that are you going to be able to actually access getting in barriers talking about like physical barriers like getting into a place getting into a play space getting into where these workshops are getting you know so, that's why I love that there, when there are events and stuff at hotels, because then that, that can include right. people, because it's accessible. Yeah, because yeah. it's by law, they have to be accessible. Because by law, they yeah. have to be. But, you know, uh, but it's just, you know, but even just talking to be here because a lot of, especially, like, in sex education and things like that, you know, spaces are, like, maybe somebody's house uh-huh. or things like that. So, but, you know, people, but now it. I'm noticing too that people in the Bay Area, thanks to education yeah. and what uh, people speaking up and saying, "Hey, I have a disability, and I, you know, I would, I'd love to be able to do this, or I'm interested in doing." Right. Yeah, and I'm saying this, that I'm talking about like sex or, <laughs> but... Well,
2: when you think about it, some that that makes sense. Just because you know you enjoy some once, and then you in- incur an incident and have a disability. Why would you no longer enjoy it afterwards? But it's that exactly. vanilla thing that oh well they're in pain why would they want more pain it's completely different it's pain it's
0: different pain and um for and actually uh, there are many people with disabilities who talk about um how uh pain in sex you know having you know receiving pain or what actually is beneficial yes yeah makes for me them. smile yeah oh and, yeah and <laughs> um. And also, you know, you know, in sexual sex itself too, I have found, you know, for me has had um, pain relieving. It, you know, it gives me the endorphins, but it makes me feel good. And when I'm feeling good, then that takes me also out of, um, you know, like the physical right. pain as well. It gives
2: you a break from yeah. Where you
0: orgasm and an orgasm is awesome, and how what it floods my body with I, I, I'm i feeling good I, I'm feeling no pain or the good pain <laughs>
2: well the, the first time I actually saw it was at a night at, at my local dungeon uh-huh. when a wheelchair person yeah. was brought up to the St. Andrew's Cross Yeah, she stood up her husband chained her you know, tie, tied her up to the cross put the chair on the side, went about their business came back, put the chair back, she sat down and she was smiling as could be
0: uh huh Oh, I do. I, I actually okay. I love the St. Andrews Cross Street. Like for me, you know, um, I, I'm paralyzed on my right side, so um, I actually like you know being chained there because now I go, oh okay now I'm like supported. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, perfect. Like, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I can play, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like a good vlogging. I, I actually yeah. That's what I actually I found that. Um, you know, we were talking about how pain, you know, it's a different kind of pain. And, you know, because with the spinal cord injury, um, I, I have a, I'm going to for a quadriplegic incomplete. So um, that means in my cervical area is where the damage was. Okay. So um, I, I feel I have, I have chronic pain related to that, but when I feel, when I get like I don't like. I like. I like a thud, not a sting. But <laughs> when I'm getting that, that helps. That takes me out of this, and that feeling, that sensation, mm-hmm. it feels really great. I'm getting all excited just thinking about. Yes, it. Yes, absolutely. It, it, yeah. Well, that's
1: what people need to hear. That yeah. you know, just because you have a sort or type yeah, of disability, tribal. doesn't mean you have to give up. Your yeah. pleasure.
0: No, and also, though, too, I have to also say, because, you know, it's not a... It's also, when it, it comes to disability, it's not like a one-size-fits-all type um, uh, accommodations and things. Uh, you've met one person with a disability. You've met one person with a disability. Uh, like, for instance, I, I, I'm a quadriplegic, and people are like, oh, you, you're a person with quadriplegic, but you're walking. And like, it, that's, it manifests... Differently, yes.
2: Differently in each different person. In each the different cases. person.
0: And so um, it's just best just to ask yeah. people about what um, accommodations they need. But, you know, some of them, yeah, there are some things like, yeah, that are like, yeah, can you get into the space? Can you get into the space? Can you play? Can you get into the bathrooms? And out, you know. Um, also, uh, one thing that now I've, like, kind of worked into now my thinking – Scent allergies. Yes. As we, you know, I, it's that it's become more and more of a thing where people, you know, because they're migraine triggers, they set off things for people's autoimmune disorders. I, I found a lot, and so um, that's something now that I'm conscious of, and I talk about as well, and including that in list of ways that people can things that they can do mm-hmm. to make you know, space is more inclusive and uh, more accessible to people. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't realize how debilitating. It was, you know, because you know, you don't grow. You know, you grow up. You know, with you know, smelly markers or you know, scratch and sniff stickers. You know, oh yes. are everywhere. everywhere. scratch and
1: sniff stickers. Yeah. Those are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's how we practice the smor- a snorter cocaine. Uh huh. Mm.
0: <laughs> I know. My mom used to be like she didn't want me to do the lick on cracker jack tattoos because she was like there was like acid. Oh. She thought it was to teach me to like acid. And I was okay. like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um,
2: but yeah, But ha- have you found any barriers in talking to your uh, uh, clients about working with that, even from the professional community?
0: Yes. Um, I have, uh, especially, uh, you know, talking about, like, BDSM and disability, I was at one conference, and I was talking about this with professionals, and this woman stood up, and she said, "I can't. I've been working with people with disabilities since the '70s." And um, she goes, "And you know, people with developmental disabilities. And I would never recommend to anyone anyway, because she, um, uh, she was a, uh, like a se- think of like a sexual health nurse or something." And she said, "I would never recommend your practices to my." Uh, clients because I think that it's dangerous and you need you would need a note from your doctor and all of these things that basically I was like and I said um, uh, ma'am you know southern um, <laughs> I, was like, I, I said I, I'm gonna have to re- respectfully disagree with you because I said people with disabilities we have agency and the rights to our body we have the right to decide what we want. Yes. To do or like, I said just like you. I said, do you need a note from your doctor to uh, have sex? And I, I, you know, I, am I, 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 really glad I did not. I was not petty. And you were good. Things. See, I was, I you was a nice good girl. and professional. in that she moment. Is and such a classy professional. No, person yeah, but, um, but I was like, I said no. Um, I said, I was say, you're, you know, this, these are the decisions adults get to make. Right. And I was like, and so you are assuming that a person with a disability doesn't have the right to make decisions about what they want to do with their bodies, or what they want to participate.
2: Right. And
0: they just didn't have anything to say after that. That got real quiet after yeah. that. That was <laughs> because I am just saying, like, you know, and I mean, I understand, I mean, but that has to go with the whole... Even though I um, need a different word maybe for sane, but the safe, sane, and consensual, I understand, you know, I, I think about when I when people say, say because there are a lot of people understandably with mental health yeah. don't yeah. really appreciate that term, but what I want to think about is when I say safe, sane, and consensual, I'm thinking more uh, along the lines of being reasonable i don't even i don't know what the word another word i'm trying to think of coherence yeah it's basically just aware aware Aware. Aware. yeah that sounds like the risk Safe.
2: aware aware and
0: consensual i like that yeah i think i like that a lot better yeah well glad we can contribute
2: we have one we like
1: oh rash i love my rash Uh, uh risk risk awareness shit happens
0: Risk awareness shit happens. I like that too. Well, it's not
2: a matter of if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt. Just make sure that when you get hurt, it's a bruise and not a compound fracture.
0: Um, Yeah. I, um, but also, you know, teaching, but, you know, a lot of stuff, and, and like I said, it started from there and then it grew, and then talking about consent, but also, the things that I hear from people with disabilities are, um, you know, access to partners. True. Finding people yeah. to, um, you know, who are open or yeah. are wanting to get. And it just, and, you know, and it depends on the person. depends a disability, but there are some, and also just attitudes, you know, the people that you're. With you know, there, there are realities mm-hmm. um, about like uh, barriers that people with disabilities face. Right. When um, you know, when it comes to finding partners to dating, to all sorts of things. Because you've gotta navigate all sorts of mm-hmm. things. You've gotta navigate access, you've gotta na- navigate um, autonomy mm-hmm. and being able to have you know the freedom to be able to do things you do because you know also um but also but just working finding people who oh shit i'm sorry you do edit this shit right Sometimes.
1: Sometimes. Fuck. You okay. got some good chicken. Are you serious? Uh, I'm like going, I'm sounding because like a you're motherfucking
0: idiot. You're being yeah. authentic
1: because there is not like an OKCupid, okay, a match.com for yeah, people with like, disability. Because In English, English,
0: yeah, they have disableddating.com. Dude, uh, we need yeah, to bring yeah, it dude. over. Yeah, I know the dude that, um, he has a podcast as well. I've speak, spoken on his podcast a, c- a couple of times that um, he was, um, because he... Yeah, and this was like, I think it's like disabilitydating.co.uk. It's a, a British site. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then there, you know, because there are sites, you know, there are like dating sites for people who, are, like, for instance, uh, like people who share um, similar um, SDGs or area. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm seeing things like that. Um, I think I saw. I, I, okay, don't quote me. Well, if you, but I thought I saw one for <laughs> mental health. That we're, that's you, what
2: there needs to be. No, a yeah. kiki site specifically for therapists. <laughs> and count so that way you know you're not dating a patient
0: yes. that would be hilarious no. farmers only.com yes
2: therapist <laughs> yeah, so
1: you only date within your own species there which is therapists okay <laughs> well, so would
0: you be like so, analyzing each other all the time that's just it it could yeah. be very boring yeah. dates no no
1: i i know i've seen a bunch of therapist parties and Dude, they get freakier than they would, because then they fantasize what they would do with their clients, but they do with each other in these parties. Well, (laughs)
2: anytime you're held to a standard where you can't play, you can't do this, and then you're thrown into a room where it's like, hey, free for all, all of a sudden the rules, you know, everything changes. No judgment, nothing. I have actually seen several profiles on OKCupid and of all places, vet life. Yes. That first line. By the just to be honest, I'm a paraplegic. I'm a quadriplegic. Oh yeah. I, I do know. Like,
0: that is one of the things like I taught or I was like be honest about especially with online dating or whatever. I'm like be honest about your disability cuz that'll help weed out a whole bunch of people and like in like in my profiles and stuff. I've got me with my walker, with my cane. I am very open about it because i have encountered um before like i've had you know pictures of me without showing right. showing and uh i i tried that beginning and then that i really like when i met up with the person that they and so it's i've like learned that honesty yeah, that is shocked yeah
2: and it, yeah. it doesn't work well it doesn't, doesn't work, work well either way i've done the same thing with polly it yeah. says in my profile, I am I am a bisexual married male yeah. who's poly. If yeah. you if you need to stop here, please swipe left.
0: Exactly, that's it. Mine says,
1: uh, you know, open, happily open relationship, marriage, bisexual. So I say I'm happy in my marriage, and half the time they're like all these lonely, depressed guys. It's like, oh, so you're missing something in your marriage? I'm like, no, I just have a high sex drive.
0: I have a high sex drive. Yeah, exactly. You
2: just want more.
1: I want more, but I'm very happy in my marriage. It's very blissful. It's like, please, six years and we're at a conference. Come on. This is where we spend our wedding anniversary. Yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> but um no, so just uh but being honest and upfront and talking about that, but yeah, and and uh I even though I have my own things to talk about with online dating, for me I I've also found that and that's something I've also recommended to other people with disabilities. I was like just going out and meeting people in person. Mm-hmm. Um, like going to events or things like that—that that, you know—that's a better
2: socialize. Right. Yeah, socialize. It helps
0: meeting people in meet space. Yes, <laughs> it, yes.
2: A lot, a lot can change in your life when you meet like-minded people. Exactly. And even your attitude, just to know you're not alone.
0: Exactly.
1: Yes. So. So our funny story of how we became very close friends with Robin was that we were in Sex Down South in 2016, where Robin was making a presentation, and we were all talking, and you know, it was like one of the after parties or something that you were like, we were all socializing. You went to bed, I was socializing, socializing, yeah. And I, I think it was one of the presentations she was brought up on stage there.
0: Oh, is this yes. the one that, that Reed and I yes. we were doing the presentation? Yes. yes. On uh, on oral sex. On yes, oral sex with people test. with disabilities. Yes. So yes, that was
1: great.
2: So now move forward.
1: Fast forward one year later, we're at Woodhall. We're outside socializing, talking. Robin points at John and says, Hey, I remember you. It's like, you were at Sex Down South. Oh. Then looks over at me and it's like, I don't remember you. I'm like, yeah, honey, I, I kind of blend in with everybody. I yeah. see one of three white guys. <laughs> know, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And so, you know what? Which was, do you know, that was that was amazing. That was the yeah. first sexuality conference I'd been to. Hey, come on. Yeah. I was like, I'm in the ATL,
1: yeah. you
0: know, I'm home. But also that was um, the first time I saw so many people of color. Yes. yes. Um, and that was amazing for me. Yeah. And hell, in New York, I just went to my first people of color play party, and mine was blown.
1: Yes, so, I can imagine.
0: Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I, my date, I brought, he was a white Jewish guy, and he was like, I feel, I feel okay <laughs> Now he I'm with you. <laughs> but, well, and I was like, com- usually, yeah, usually that's how I feel. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm okay. <laughs> but, that, yes, that is kind of how I felt, but
2: we're, we're coming back. We're actually presenting this year yeah. at Sex Down South next month
0: not yeah oh yeah you guys are y'all are presenting i'm gonna go i'm gonna go be help uh marla Yay! she's like i can come and, and i was like i want to come i don't I just, you I don't better
2: wanna... be in my audience
0: yeah. <laughs> i was like yes 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 that sounds fun okay, Absolutely that.
1: okay. so how can our audience member find you and reach out okay. for any of your okay. coaching services okay
0: um you can find me i have a website where now everything's working again okay um <laughs> www dot Sexabled, abled with RobinWB.com. Um, also on Twitter, at Sexabled. That's like, Twitter, uh, to be honest, is probably, what, you know, the DM's there, because I'm open, I'm public. It's, it's easy way to find me and then, at you know, get connected. Abled. Yes, and I I write, I talk, I particularly like writing about sexuality and disability topics. But, yeah, i speaking, and now I'm like, ah, international focus. So now, yes!
2: Awesome. So, uh,
0: thank you. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate you.
2: This is John C. Luna.
1: And this is Angelique Luna.
2: And if you like the content we've been putting on Living a Sex Positive Life, then we need your help. For as little as a dollar a month, you can give to our Patreon account, which will help us... Uh, t- se- seriously?
1: It works for PETA. Why not us?
2: We're
1: we're starving sex educators here.
2: Let's just tell them what they get. For as little as a dollar a month, we'll give you all past content and bonus content. But if you're able to give just a little bit more, we can give them what? Video content?
1: We could give them a one-on-one 30-minute Skype. They could have a private access to a group chat. Or even better, we could answer one question per month live on the podcast.
2: So if you like what we're doing and you want us to keep doing it, Please go to our Patreon page for Living a Sex Positive Life and give generously. Oh, dear God.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show tonight. You can find us on our webpage, livingasexpositivelife.com, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on Living a Sex Positive Life, where you follow all our stories and adventures. You can find me on all social media as Miss Angelique Luna.
2: And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter as John C. Luna. Please reach out and let us know how we're doing.
1: Please like, share all our contents, leave your opinions, comments, complaints. We accept it all. But we also like to thank our sponsor, The Woodshed. You can find them on their webpage, thewoodshedorlando.com. And they're also on Fed Life and Facebook where you could see a lot of their events and promotions going on.
2: So thank you very much for uh, joining tonight.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.